Today's guest is Renu Aurora. She is a UK-based artist with over 15 years experience, and she is a regular contributor on the BBC radio. She has her own podcast called The Burgundy Book, which is a series of arts podcasts following a life-changing accident along with a near-death experience in 2017. Renu, thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I'm very grateful to be here. My audience likes to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, let's just jump right into it. Sure. So thank you for that lovely introduction. Mm -hmm. I was, it was 29th of March, 2017, and I was, I was coming home from an acting job and um, I'd been unwell, I'd been unwell for about a year before that with quite severe glandular fever. And I told my team that that was going to be my last day for a while because I was really quite sick. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm quite, I was quite stubborn as a person before the accident. So I kind of believe that the universe was kind of whacking me over the head going, you won't really take as much time off as you need. So we're going to whack you over the head with mm. a great big accident. So you have to take time off and rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I'd come home and I planned to make a curry with one of my closest friends that evening. And she used to be my old housemate. We were very good friends and she'd moved out to get married, but she still worked in the area. So she was still living close by. So I texted her and I said, you know, let's still have our evening, but I'm exhausted from working. And, you know, she knew I was unwell um, and my phone's lost its battery. So she was like, you know, don't worry, I can help you chop the, the, the ingredients to make our curry. Don't worry, it's fine. So I said, okay, there's no battery. I'll see you back in the flat in sort of 20 minutes time. I'll just go buy the ingredients. Yep, all fine. So I walked out and went to the shop, which is sort of four or five doors down the road, got my ingredients in my basket. And as I went to pay, I realized that the queue was extending more or less outside the shop. And it was, it, 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 it shocked me. I thought, this is, this is very weird. It's six o'clock in the evening on the 29th of March. It's not Christmas. It's not New Year. It's not Diwali. There's no Jewish festival. We live in a Jewish area. Why is there a massive queue? And I thought, well, I haven't got my phone with me. My friend knows I've been unwell. She could potentially be at my door waiting and I've got no way of telling her that I'm safe, okay, in the shop, just sort of about to pay for my chilies, as it were. So um, I went to the cashiers who know me well because I've been living here for so long and I just said, can I leave my basket on the counter whilst I just go and wave to my friends who they also knew well? And they said, yeah, you know, they were like, fine, fine. So I left my basket on the counter and just walked out to the pavement there is a bus stop obscuring my view, but it was six in the evening. It wasn't dark, dark. So I thought I can see enough through it to look up the pavement in the direction um, that she'd be walking in, put my arm up in the air, signal that I'd be in the shop safe and that would be that. I couldn't see her. So I walked towards the edge of the pavement a bit further, looked up the road, looked through the bus stop, still couldn't see my friend. And we live on a very busy road in the middle of North London and you can hear buses because they're noisy you know they're big and they're noisy and as I walked out a few moments earlier there was no bus coming so I still thought there was nothing you know there's a bus lane there and I thought there was no bus coming I thought I was safe to put my foot over the edge so I walked towards the edge of the pavement more to get a better view into the into the pavement and um, put my foot just over the toes just over the edge of the pavement to get a better view into the pavement and as I did a bus was clearly coming in which I hadn't heard caught the edge of my boot and started to drag my foot and leg underneath the wheel of his bus. 
And I then toppled over, obviously, and I was watching my um, lower leg and foot be dragged under the wheel of the bus. And I could see my leg disappear very slowly underneath. Well, it felt like it was slow. It wasn't slow. It was very fast, but it felt like it was slow. I was watching my leg disappear underneath the wheel of the bus. And I remember thinking to myself, how much of me and how much of my leg is is this bus going to take? Because, you know, the wheel was coming closer and closer as my leg was getting, you know, disappearing underneath the wheel. And I remember thinking, I think I'm dead. I think these are my final moments of my life. Mm. I think I'm a goner. It's amazing how your brain speeds up or something where it makes what happens slow down. So I find that amazing that you witnessed all this. Well, wow, you know, there goes my leg underneath the bus. Um, I am surprised. Well, I guess I'm not really surprised, but it's interesting that you were not in any pain, were you? No. So I didn't have pain for quite some time, partly because I had an NDE, which I obviously can go into in a moment, but also because of the fact that when, and I've read this from other people that have had sort of serious automobile accidents or you know, shark attacks or whatever, where, you know, I read an interview by a woman whose head was caught in the mouth of a grizzly bear. She was American, I think. And um, she said she felt no pain, but an enormous amount of pressure like a vice because the bear's teeth were around her neck. And I felt exactly the same thing, that there was an enormous amount of pressure because the bus is 10 tons. So I felt like my, my foot and leg had been absolutely flattened at that moment and I remember thinking oh my foot feels like paper Mm. you know I remember thinking it feels like a sheet of paper it's that that flat Mm -hmm. and also my whole being at that point was beginning to be adrenalized you know full of cortisol and shock chemicals and you know all sorts of things and I could feel shock chemicals swimming into my body both into my head and into my lower leg and foot and I remember thinking this is really interesting because you know, on the one hand, I can feel I can feel myself drowning in shock. And on the other hand, I can feel the chemicals just literally collect in my foot like a pool of lava. Mm. So there wasn't the pain didn't start until quite a while later, until the NDE had happened, until there was enough commotion that the bus driver knew that I was underneath him and reversed off me and freed me and the emergency services arrived. So it was a good sort of 10, 15 minutes at least before any pain began to register in my in my brain and in my foot at all mm-hmm. um you know it's interesting what the brain as you say kind of remembers and and you know what the brain what happens to the brain in times of shock and trauma so i'd remember seeing a program where a lady had been involved in a shark a shark attack she was in the sea and she she describes it and she says i i remember the shark had taken my leg the whole of my leg in his mouth and I looked down and I, she said, I heard a pop and I looked down and my leg had gone. Wow. And whilst I was underneath the wheel of the bus, I remember there's like, an, you know, for me, there was like an animalistic instinct to get free. I remember thinking, I don't care if I lose my leg. I just don't want to lose my life. I just want to get free. So I, you know, I thought mistakenly that I could pull myself free from underneath the wheel of this bus. Obviously, you know, you, you can't because you know, you against the bus, you've got no chance. But I kept pulling, thinking I could get myself free. And I remember thinking, oh, there's movement. There was no movement. I was just clearly just breaking my bones inside whilst I was trying to pull. Mm-hmm. And I also remember that um, image of the um, the woman that was involved in the shark attack come to mind. And I remember saying to myself, if you pull any more, you're going to hear a pop and your leg will be left underneath the wheel of the bus and you'll definitely die. Wow. You will 
disconnect from it. So I just had to surrender, you know, and just kind of go, okay, there's nothing I can do in this moment, but allow myself to surrender to what is, because the more I struggle, the more I'm going to injure myself and risk losing my life. I know this is a side note, but I just still keep getting curious. Do you know why there was a big lineup outside the building in the first place? (laughs) I've never found out. Uh I don't know. I've never. That's a really good question. And I am, I still live in this area. So maybe next week I'll go to that shop and find out. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. know. It's off the story, but I just, I I just had to ask. So it could be because they were short staffed in the shop that day. And Mm -hmm. so potentially what happened? Oh, is it possible that like, well, no, that was 2017. That's, 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 that's BC before COVID because here, here, <laughs> here, here in the stores, a lot of times they limit the amount of people going in. So you have to line up outside. Yeah. So I thought, okay. Yeah, same maybe same gonna, here in Britain. Yeah. But that's too far behind before. No. All right. Yeah. So did you feel like at what you had the NDE soon at some point? I thought I was thinking maybe that you were trying to get away and then you just got away as if you popped out of your body. But I did. Is that how it happened? Yeah. um, So actually the NDE happened before, before the pulling happened. Hmm. So what had happened was at the time of impact, I, I started to eject because I, at the time of impact, I still felt like I was standing up. So I hadn't computed in my mind what had happened. And I still, felt my feet firmly on the ground like I was standing up vertical with my arm in the air waving to my friend. Mm -hmm. I still felt myself like there was like an imprint of my soul that was still standing up or my body that was still standing up. And that's where the disconnect started to happen really quickly after the impact. So after I kind of thought I was standing up, I remember ejecting my body, literally like just popping out, as you say, you know, beautifully and just floating and rising above my body and I was rising really fast and I remember seeing the top of the red bus and looking at my my leg underneath the wheel of the bus and just going oh that's me that's really interesting you know there was no there was no regret there was nothing there was no sense of sadness happiness it just it just kind of was and I was then I kind of didn't look down anymore and was looking up and the the, the higher I floated the more this world seemed to fall away. But as I was floating up, I remember thinking that my wingspan was the whole of my borough. We have boroughs here in London, the whole of my borough, which is like a town and back and more. And I remember feeling like I wasn't, I wasn't physical form. I was like this, this energy, this presence, and it was kind of light and with a white in, in shade. And it was very, very warm and it felt very loving. And I remember f- feeling that I'm everyone and everything and everybody's thoughts and my thoughts. And it was really, really interesting. And then, as I say, the higher I floated, the more this world seemed to float away. And and I remember actually um, seeing shards of light, like coming at me, beaming at me from all directions and just entering into my heart, beaming into my heart and bathing my heart like a star mm. with love. It was absolutely just beautiful and I remember seeing these shards of light and I was at the center of these shards of light it just felt so love-filled and in that moment I felt like my heart was taken out of my chest literally given a beautiful beautiful polish to the point where it was sparkling and filled up with love and then put back in Hmm. and I remember hearing a voice which is on the right hand side of me and it it was um it sounded like a male a male voice and it felt like a very familiar voice that I'd known 
perhaps my whole life. Um, and it felt like some, you know, felt like I'd accessed God in that moment. And the voice said, love is all there is. Hmm. And it was so strong and profound. I'll never forget it because it literally it boomed through me. And I remember feeling and thinking, ah, oh, that's God, but that's also me. Because of the way that the voice literally boomed through me, it just felt like the voice was me, even though it wasn't, because it just it reverberated inside every, inside every aspect of my presence, my energy field. Mm. And then I also heard another, the same voice, but another message that was, give love, give love, give love, because love is all there is. Yeah, it's very interesting. I've done a, quite a few of these podcasts, and one of the similarities is when they hear a voice, it's usually booming like that. Oh, really? Yeah. And mm. I'm going to have to take closer note at this because I just noticed you said it was on your right side. And I think that's yes. a common thing, too, that it's usually on the person's right side. And I wonder why I that I didn't is. know that. That's interesting. Yeah. Oh. Like I said, I'm going to have to kind of remember these things now. I'm a little more de fine details, but yeah, yeah. That, that's interesting. So mm. um, you, you heard this voice. I'm assuming you felt like unconditional love. Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable. It was really, really beautiful. I felt so much. I've never felt that much love in my entire life. And it wasn't a human love. It was like an essential being kind of love that I knew because I knew I was filled up with love at that moment. And I knew also that, you know, if I did go back into the, onto the earth, that love would never get depleted because it's not a human love where you give and it's gone. It was an essential being type of love that I knew would just always just always stay I just needed to access it all the time you know mm -hmm. it was really quite 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 remarkable did you stay up there for a while or were you given the option to come back or what happened so I did stay up there for a little longer and I had a, a really beautiful life review I can't really go into it too much because I'm reserving that part of the NDE for my podcast the Burgundy sure. book which is going to be out next year so I apologize for that no um thank you um, and so after that had happened, the second part of my NDE, I, um, you know, I'll just go back for a second. I really feel like my soul grew 25 lifetimes in that moment. I remember seeing the numbers 25 in, in yellow and black. And I remember feeling, oh, that's interesting. It's, it's as if it's transcended like what? so many lifetimes. What do you mean you grew lifetimes? I don't understand. Well, I felt like, um, I believe that we come into this earth and we, we, we come to learn lessons and we reincarnate and continue to learn lessons. And so I feel like the, my lessons were literally transcended mm. 25 lifetimes as if some of, the, some of the old, well, a lot of the old conditioning that I'd had before the accident had just been reset in a single moment. You know, wow. and that actually has happened. I, do, I did carry a lot of limiting beliefs around myself, around what I believed was possible for me, around my own sense of self-worth, which was just non-existent before the accident. And it just felt like that whole experience had literally broken it, you know, loosened some of it, but broken most of it, which mm. was really interesting to the point where I could see clearly through and go, oh, there's now another way, which I never saw before. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. I want to make a joke, but I don't. I'm saying if you want to level up 25 lifetimes, then go get hit by a bus. But <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nobody don't. <laughs> no, nobody, don't, please don't, don't. don't do that. 
<laughs> no, please don't do that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so you asked about um, what, having a choice. I didn't have a choice because what had happened was after the beautiful life review that I experienced, I screamed and the scream literally pulled me back into my body like a hoover. So I only feel like I screamed the last like millisecond of the scream because the first bit was when I was out of my body. I'm sorry. Let me, let me ask that again. What caused you to scream seeing your life review or recognizing you're under the bus? I I must have realized at that point that I must have started to come back, but not realized it and obviously felt this sense of panic and Mm. screamed and the scream, the physical scream pulled my, my spirit, my soul back into my, just after the life review had ended. So you weren't even given a choice. You were just put back in. And maybe that was literally hoovered back in. And maybe that message was just a reminder or a message to take with you. You mean the message that I felt when I was doing in the NDE? Yeah, the one about uh, everything is love or... Yes. Yeah, maybe that was a message for you to take back. Yeah, I do feel like that. I do feel like that. Yeah, very much so. Mm. Because obviously it's a voice that I'll never... I'll always remember that for the rest of my life. And I can, mm-hmm. as, as you said, if, you know, if people's um, experiences of NDEs are that the voice is booming, it's not a voice that one can forget because mm-hmm. I've never heard a voice like it in this lifetime, in, in the physical plane mm-hmm. ever. And I, you know, may or may not ever again in this lifetime. And so it just, I'll never, ever, ever forget it. And what I think is very interesting is that it was a male voice. So we know it wasn't your own thoughts producing that. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know that people, there's been lots of studies to suggest that the some of the aspects of one's NDE can take on a form that the experiencer is comfortable with or, or, or the experiencer's beliefs are in line with. So it could have been because I, I had always assumed God to be, you know, a male presence. It could be that, or it could just be that it was just an ever-present loving voice that I'm categorizing as male because it was quite deep, but it might not be mm-hmm. because it sounded very deep in its, in its tone mm-hmm. and also very, very loving, mm-hmm. very, very loving. I felt like I was held by this voice. Please forgive me if I'm wrong, but I'm speculating that you're Hindu because I saw in one of your pictures you had the little dot here. I am. You're a Hindu. Yeah, so if you are just a weakened Hindu or hardcore, <laughs> it, but is it possible for you that that voice was Krishna? Oh, wow. Do you know that's not something I've considered at all? Not at all. Am I a weakened Hindu? Um, yeah, I suppose I am a diluted Hindu, mm. um, <laughs> shamefully in some respects. Could have been Krishna. Yes, very much mm. so. Mm. But it was speaking yeah. to you in English. Yes. Yes. Do you speak Hindi? I do speak Hindi, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually I saw I saw the words as well as hearing the words. So you saw them? So I them. saw them on my right as well as hearing them in my right ear. Interesting. Yeah, you side. saw them too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Obviously you're human like the rest of us and we can't be loving and this perfect person all the time. But do you think it's changed you some where you are a more loving person now? Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, as you say, you know, we're human and I still react from my beliefs and ego and, you know, patterns all the time, of course, because I'm human. But yeah, what it's done is it's, you know, it opened the door to, you know, I feel like I know a lot of people will say this, that the veil was, the veil was lifted on that day. And, and that, in part, has never gone. 
So although I'm obviously not in that realm anymore, I do feel like I have access to it now much, much, much more strongly than I ever did before the accident. So I do feel like I'm more loving and I feel like I see past people's much more, not always, but much more, much more seeing past their personalities and into their spirit, into their divinity. And that's because I recognize my own divinity, which I didn't before the accident. I was a Hindu, but I was a cognitive, cognitive Hindu up here. So I understood some of the beliefs and traditions because I'd been taught them and read about them, but I didn't have an experience in my heart. I did have a few experiences of the divine, but it didn't feel like a constant or a consistent feeling of being guided and the oneness that I experienced whilst I was having my NDE. So because it's softened me and made me connect to my divinity and essence and oneness, I'm much more able to see that in other people. And because I respect myself and there was a, there's a real sense of self-love that's been cultivated since the accident for me, I'm much more able to give that to other people. So the love that I feel like I impart on other people, whereas before the accident, Looking back, I don't think I would have said that at the time, but looking back, it felt really hollow in comparison to the fullness of love that I feel like I can give now because it was coming from an empty place because I felt empty because I wasn't really able to give my sense that self sense of give myself that sense of self love. Mm-hmm. Let me catch a statement and a question here. All right, sure. It says, "Thank you for sharing your story with us. You are very beautiful. Since your oh. experience." Have you lived your life differently and are you treating people differently? Yes. A, a resounding yes to both of those questions. Thank you for your comment. Um, yeah, my purpose has completely shifted. I mean, I still work as an artist, but, um, you know, as I was saying to you before we started the podcast, whilst the mediums of my work have slightly shifted because uh, I have mobility issues now with my foot because of the, the crushing due the very significant crush injury. I still use my skill set. I do podcasts and radio shows and um, record um, soundtracks for shows. So I still use that skill set. It's just in a more potentially auditory or speaking based um, medium now, whereas before it was much more sort of physical on the stage, sometimes involving dancing, which, you know, I no longer can do. Mm-hmm. And also I tell the story, you know, I use I use the experience, whether it's to tell the story directly or whether it's to put the experience into the work in some way. I use the experience more or less all the time in my work now. And also I have because I have such a strong, a much stronger connection to my heart and to the divine, I'm much more able to allow inspiration in God to speak through me and to shine through me whilst I'm working and also whilst I'm living my life. So I'm much more instinct based. So I'll, if I have a decision to make, I'll feel how it feels in my heart and I'll be pulled to the right thing rather than trying to find my way out of something by going round and round and round in my head mm. that I used to do before the accident and literally give myself an anxiety heart attack. Mm. So I'm very different now in, in how I live my life. Yeah, I was wondering that not only in love, but within other emotions, maybe you're more in touch with them now. And maybe possibly that would make you even a better actress because you can just feel these different emotions, you know? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I do feel like the parts that I've played and the parts that I you know, hopefully will play, but certainly the parts I've played since the accident have been much richer and much deeper because my characterization has been much richer because of where I've been at. And I, you're right, exactly that. I do feel because I, I opened so quickly and so 
vastly after the accident so fully, I can access the whole gamut of emotions much more easily than I could ever do before the accident, which felt much harder to be able to access. Now that it's been a few years, are you still having any after effects from the NDE? You mean spiritually? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like it will, it's evoked a journey that will obviously last the rest of this, you know, this lifetime. And I, um, so when I was born, I was a twin. Mm. And um, my twin brother and I arrived three months premature. And I was, um, I was twice his weight. So clearly I was taking all the food in my mum's womb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and because of that, my brother didn't survive. Oh. And I've always slightly felt sort of half of a whole that there's a, another part of me that, you know, was never quite, you know, was never there. And I, I've always known that. And I had various friends sort of, you know, through my life before the accident channeled him and it was wonderful. But, and I would say I kind of felt him, but I didn't really have access to him and I always wanted to, but didn't. But so one of the things that's changed is that I feel much closer to him now after the accident and I ask him to help me in everything I do and I can literally feel his presence whenever I'm doing anything significant or doing anything on stage or any kind of public speaking or any performance. And it's interesting because he's also on my right. Ah, interesting. And yeah, maybe that was his voice. I've thought that. It could have been. Yes. Yes. I'll never know, obviously, but yeah, exactly. It could have been. So my, yeah, I do feel like there are after effects all the time. And, you know, for the first year, I know that people say the same thing. For the first year, I became very psychic. Hmm. So I would have prophetic dreams. You know, I dream something and it would sort of come true sort of quite soon after the dream, a conversation or something, you know, sort of mundane or day-to-day would happen. It would be exactly as I dreamt it with the colors and the sounds and just so very vivid. Mm. Um, yeah, so there were a lot of things, a lot of ways that I kind of felt that the the NDE affected me then, but also what impacted me then, but also continues to. So I still get quite a lot of those dreams, not as not as many as I did sort of just after the accident in the early days, but I still do get them. Um, you know, and as I was saying sort of earlier, I feel much more connected to other people's hearts. I see no distinction between me and other people now. Um, I don't see the separation. I mean, I, I knew that here before the accident, but I didn't feel it here. And now I really do. I feel so connected to other people and, and, and plants and animals. It just, we just all, it just all feels so present and so one. And, and the other thing is, is that when I was during, when I was at, when I was experiencing the NDE and especially going through the life review, I never felt any judgment from God for my past perceived mistakes which I was judging myself for consistently and, you know, and beating myself up like with a hammer, constantly going, you're bad, you're bad, you know, and, and, and coming back and kind of going, oh, so if God isn't judging me, then why am I judging myself? It doesn't make any sense. So, so much of that has kind of fallen away. So I just feel so much lighter and more aligned, not carrying that baggage and that, judgment and that inner turmoil that I lived myself you know lived through before the accident yeah that's very fascinating it's I mean that's pretty profound you know just not to judge ourselves so heavily <sighs> yeah because it's it's human nature and I still do you know frequently mm. but nowhere near as 
much and I can catch it much easier now, nowhere near as much as I used to do. I mean, it was basically, it became my conditioning through which I live my life. And it was the lens through which I live my life, this kind of judgment, guilt and limiting beliefs and all of that, mm-hmm. you know. And it's interesting when you kind of, for me, when I've seen Beyond the Veil and having experienced that, it's interesting how I feel. In fact, I felt just after the accident that my eyes had opened for the first time in my life and I was experiencing life like a child does you know Mm -hmm. so I remember actually going to work one morning probably it sort of it must have been about eight months after the accident going to do an acting job and I was was very very early start so the sun was just beginning to rise and I remember being in the cab because I have to take cabs everywhere because of my foot and being in the cab and just looking out the window and I remember going these colours, I've never seen such beautiful colours in my life. And it was just a normal sunrise, you know, but it was absolutely beautiful. And I said to the cab driver, look at this sunrise. It's absolutely remarkable. And he just, he looked over at me, he smiled and he went, you can really feel it, huh? <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah. And I felt like I was experiencing it for the first time ever. Mm. Did you have any other psychic abilities besides this kind of like premonition and dreams? Um, yeah. So sometimes I would get a vision or an image of, um, there were usually things like conversations or things I'd be doing in the future, various jobs I'd be doing. And they all came true. It's really interesting. Most of them were quite soon after I'd experienced the vision. Um, although a couple of them were a few things that I have done this year which kind of made and I was looking back at actually a journal that I'd written after the accident only a few days ago and I remember actually doing um I remember writing down uh, a vision and the dream I, that I'd had about doing a show on BBC radio with a very specific um spoken word piece with a very specific song and I remember I actually sang I remember the song because I often write songs in my sleep I've always done that with my work I kind of wake up with a song in my mind so I, I've, I recorded the song in my phone and I thought, I wonder if this is going to come true. This is really interesting. Forgot about it, obviously. And then this week when I was looking at my journal, I read that um, account of what had happened. I went back to my phone to find that voice note, mm. listen to the song. And it was exactly the song that I put in the radio show. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, I'd forgotten about it. Oh. Well, that one's amazing. Before the accident, have you ever had any spiritual or paranormal experiences? Um, yeah, a few, a few. So um, when I was eight years old, my first experience of singing was when I was eight years old and I was going to audition for the school Christmas nativity play, school Christmas show. And I'd never sung before in my life because I was quite a I was quite a shy kid, but I just knew in my heart that I wanted to sing. Never knew if I could, but I just knew I wanted to. So auditions had come around and I knew I wanted to, to audition for the show. And I literally kind of threw my arm in the air. And because I was quite a shy child, I wasn't I wasn't picked to audition. And I was devastated. So I made a big fuss in the classroom and I went, no, you have to, you have to, you have to let me audition. You can't stop the audition session I have to audition so they went oh right then you know probably thinking you know this kid and um and I sang and I remember at that point similar to the NDE but obviously in a very different circumstance I remember popping out of my body and watching myself sing and I remember thinking to myself where's this voice coming from you know it it sounded confident and alien to me and and powerful and 
beautiful. And I remember thinking, you've never sung before. And suddenly you've got this voice that everybody's having to watch you. And I felt like, like, um, like a magnet. Everybody's eyes were on me like a magnet. Mm -hmm. And it just felt so very profound. And I remember thinking, I've touched God. I don't know how, but I've touched God by singing for the first time in my life. And it was at that moment that I thought, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to work in the arts in some capacity. And obviously I did. So that was one thing. And another thing was um, when I was probably 10 years old, I remember walking into my parents' bedroom and I'd always had a kind of a, a penchant for spirituality, you know, like a, an interest in spirituality. Because, I suppose because being brought up in a Hindu family, mystical conversations were always were common in our household. So I remember saying, looking at my parents and having a vision and looking at my parents and going, Mom, Dad, I chose you. Mm. And they went, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> I said, I chose you. <laughs> and they probably thought I was saying, you know, Mom, Dad, I love you. And I, mm. I was, but I was saying something far deeper. And I remember kind of having a vision of, you know, my 10-year-old imagination being in that other realm and looking down and seeing these two people and just kind of saying to myself, these are the two people that I need to be my parents to teach me what I need to teach me and to learn in this lifetime to help my soul to grow. I actually remember that at 10 years old. Hmm. Really quite amazing. Hmm, interesting. I'm going to give you an experience for me, and I wonder if it's the same for you, because I know you're in more deep, you're in touch with your emotions more. I'm a musician, but I don't play much anymore. But when I used to play okay. out, sometimes when I would play out, when the band, the music is tight, the crowd is great, there's just like almost, it becomes, and they don't last through, even through an entire song, but moments in song, it almost becomes a spiritual experience. It's almost like everything is perfect. The energy is amazing. And it's almost gives you a chilling feeling. And I don't, I wish I could interview top level musicians to see if they feel the same thing but it, it's almost an indescribable spiritual experience so i wonder now since you're since you're, maybe you've had that before anyways being an actor because i'm not an actor and i don't i wouldn't know but you know when you're really in the role and being this person is there any change since the nde when you're in the role of this person that it becomes somewhat of like a spiritual experience compared to what it was before Jeff, that's a really beautiful question. <laughs> and <Thank you. laughs> um, no, it's true. And just before I, I answer, can I just respond to what you were saying about sure. the mystical, I forget how you put it, but it was really lovely moments on stage when you mm -hmm. can feel, um, how do you put it? It's like synchronicity um, and, and yeah. energy and perfection. I don't know. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I can imagine, well, I don't imagine, I know that's potentially what most, if not all musicians feel when they're in that zone. It's just like touching something divine, like just time slows. And I, I think that's what Deepak Chopra calls dharma, like, you know, when you're in your flow, mm. you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I can I can be in, in my um, studio space working on a piece of music or a piece of spoken word for 12 hours straight and not come up to breathe and not come up to eat and just forget about the fact that I have a body even <laughs> that needs fueling and needs mm. kind of, you know, all the stuff that bodies need because I'm so very in that, in, in that flow. And although I had that before the accident, it was never as deep and I could never, I could never go as deep. And I think that's because I was so very much in my head and, you know, and, and just wasn't able to connect to even myself. And of course, this is, the self is where the divine is. It's here, isn't it? But I just didn't, 
didn't know that I was always trying to attain that oneness from the outside of me. If I get the next thing, if I do the next job, chasing the next paycheck, prioritizing the wrong things. So as a result, my attention was always outside, never inside. And it's interesting because um, I know this is slightly a tangent, but I think it hopefully will be relevant to, to your audience that just after the accident, when um, before my injuries were properly diagnosed and treated, I remember thinking to myself, this is really interesting because the world is still spinning, but mine isn't. And I remember thinking the world doesn't stop turning because mine is still. And although everybody was on the merry-go-round, everybody else and friends and family, I had no wish to get back on it in that moment because I'd known I'd broken. Literally, I'd known I'd broken and I kind of wanted to, you know, for months before the accident because I was so ill and I'd put all these defences up. I remember breathing and sorry so dreaming and praying to god i just need to break i just need to break and obviously i had in a big way so kind of coming back to those first five weeks after the accident i remember thinking to myself this is interesting because if we can't go out the only way is inside Hmm. so whilst i can't travel on the outside i will need to travel on the inside because that's the only journey i can now make the journey inside and i remember having conversations with friends and you know, in the beginning, I felt this sort of disconnect that they were traveling metaphorically, you know, so fast on the outside with their busy lives. And and I remember thinking and sometimes saying to them, but I'm traveling really fast on the inside. Just mm. can't see it. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's interesting. Some of the themes that you have spoke of, of your experience, kind of align. I mean, obviously with Christianity, one of the biggest things is love. And I think that's what obviously with all religions, but some of the oneness that you experienced I'm not sure if that's more Hindu or Buddhism, but regardless, have you had any more interest in Hinduism since your NDE? Yes, I feel like I've taken a much deeper interest in learning about it. Um, I mean, I feel like an absolute novice in the things that I do know, because I've only really taken an interest in the past sort of couple of years since having the NDE. And it's been with conversations with my parents, especially my dad, who is a fountain of knowledge. Well, they both are, but especially my dad. So, um, Excuse me. So I, I've, I do feel like I've taken a much keener interest and a stronger interest because I want to understand more about the faith and more about the ideals and more about the ideology and where the, the mythology comes from. And it's, it does spark my interest when I'm, when I'm um, listening to it. It doesn't make me want to put my NDE through the lens of Hinduism, mm. but it does certainly make me want to understand more of my heritage and my roots. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. All right. So you have your new podcast, but it's not out yet, right? Oh. And it's, gonna, no, it's, it's going to be coming out, and that's called The Burgundy Book. So hopefully um, people will be able to find it when it's ready. Um, do you have any other projects that you're working on? Like have you considered writing a book about your experience, or is there anything else you would like yes. like us to know about? Thank you for that question. Yes, yeah, so um, – just to kind of go back to the Burgundy book. So mm-hmm. although it's not out, the teasers are out. So okay. the teasers are public. So they're on the Libsyn, the Libsyn page if you type in the Burgundy book slash Libsyn. Maybe we can put the, the link in the show notes beneath the mm-hmm. show. Um, okay. Is there a website or what was that called you said? The Burgundy book? Oh, sorry. So, so uh, Libsyn is the hosting site for podcasts and it's the feeder site for like Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So okay. it's just, it's, it's basically the hosting page, mm-hmm. the landing page for the teasers before they go on to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And I've decided not to put the teasers onto Apple Podcasts because 
they're only they're, they're only there temporarily until the series is launched. So it just felt safe easier to just keep it on Libsyn before mm-hmm. launching the whole podcast. So um, we've launched the teasers. So there, I have a link for them that I can send you. Mm-hmm. And the actual podcast will be launched at the earliest July 2021. In terms of a book, yes, the plan the plan was always to write a book after the podcast because my medium has always been, you know, both writing and audio. And I remember toggling with, you know, which one comes first. And for me, I wanted to make the audio version of the story, the arts version of the story first before writing the, the book. So the book is going to start to be written all being well September of next year and will hopefully all being well be out in 2022. Do you interact with the public or you're, or are you a private person? And if you do, do you have like a Twitter or a Facebook page or something? Yes, I'm not a private person. I'm very open. In fact, I've put so much of my of the facets of my journey on social media because, you know, being be, working in the media anyway, working in the arts, I've always felt that stories inspire stories and it's how we grow. It's certainly how I grow. I love mm-hmm listening to and watching other people's human stories mm-hmm. because it's how I allow myself to see myself within them, you know? So I'm very, I'm very open and I love engaging with people and public and everybody on social media. And I make a point too, because I think it's, I feel like it's really important. So people can find me on Facebook, which is my name, Renu, R-E-N-U, Aurora, A-R-O-R-A. And I'm on Twitter at Renu Aurora one. Okay. People could find me there. All right, great. So we have a way to connect to you. Before we wrap it up, do you have one last message that you can give us? Oh, what a lovely question. Yeah, so I feel like I've come back with the belief that love love is how we grow our soul. And so a question that I ask myself most days now and, and try to act on it is where can I give more love? Either it's to myself, which then in turn helps me to give more love to other people, or it's actually to, to other people. And I, I often find myself going, I need to give more love, not just to family and friends, that too, and myself, but also to strangers and to the wider, the wider, you know, the wider world and people that I don't know. Because we just never know who's, who's, who's needing a smile on that day. And something that you say or do or a bit of eye contact could make that person's day a week month we just don't know so give love i love that yeah i mean i love that that just a thought for yourself every day is just how can i give more love today yeah yeah i think that's great all right i really appreciate you giving me some time today um i hope i hope your podcast is massively successful And I hope that you're able to walk like you walked once before again soon. Thank you very much, Jeff. Mm -hmm. That's so very kind. It's been so lovely. Thank Mm you. All right. Thank you. Thank you and have a wonderful day. And you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.